Welcome to the Texas News Podcast, where we dive into all things Texas politics and the future of independence in the state of Texas. On today's show, we discuss some mainstream media shenanigans against pro-Texas candidates, and we talk about our trip to Austin to deliver over 170,000 petition signatures to Governor Greg Abbott. We also discuss how you can make an impact now by electing pro-Texit candidates, and we actually talk to one of those candidates at the end of the episode. So don't go anywhere. All right, welcome to the uh, brand new episode of the Texas News Podcast. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's repetitive. I can welcome you more than once. It's perfectly fine, right? I'm allowed to do that. Uh, but uh, look, I, I do want to thank you for tuning in week in and week out. And uh, this week, we're we're coming to you right on the heels. I mean, we literally just rolled in from Austin uh, late last night. Uh, we just came back from delivering over 170,000 petition signatures to Governor Greg Abbott, uh, calling for a special session on Texas independence. And, and we're going to talk about that. But look, before I get into the Austin trip, I, I got to tell you, probably, I'm going to share with you, for me, one of the coolest things that happened since we, we were last together. And uh, it, it starts off almost uh, like the opposition got a W, but they actually posted a loss on this one. Uh, and, and it's it's just fascinating. So Many of you are aware, I mean, we've talked on this podcast before about the Texas First Pledge. You know, you can find the pledge and all the pledge signers at TakeTexasBack.com. And uh, we've had, you know, a, a just a, a plethora of candidates sign this pledge. And, and essentially what the pledge does, if this is your first episode listening to this, it, it, in a nutshell, what it does is a candidate who is either an office holder already or running for office can pledge to number one, support the rights of article, the rights of the people of Texas under article one, section two, and, and help bring the Texas question to a vote. Okay. And if it comes back in the affirmative, if they do that and the vote is held, then they agree to abide by the will of the people of Texas. So easy peasy, right? It's not a, an endorsement of Texas saying that the candidate believes that we should be independent. At a minimum, they believe, by signing the pledge, they state that they believe that Texans should be able to vote on the issue, right? And so we we don't require, as a part of the pledge, any candidate to come out and say, I'm pro-Texan, although many do. Many of them come out and, and say 100% unequivocally, if it goes on a ballot, they will vote yes, Okay. But we don't require them to do so. That is ultimately the the real magic, I think, about the Texas First Pledge, is that we are effectively asking elected officials in Texas to do what they take an oath to do when they take office. And, and we are, I think, to a certain extent, it exposes how they view the electorate. Look, this is why you don't see a lot of incumbents signing the Texas first pledge, because by the time they get into say, you know, the Texas legislature, they have developed this attitude 
that they are smarter than the voters and they don't want to hear the voters. So, you know, if you think about the viewpoint that they have in relation to this pledge, the incumbents, that is, uh, the vast majority of them believe that they have all the answers and they have no need to hear from the people. They believe that uh, they are they they are smarter than we are and we're just too stupid to govern ourselves. So that brings us to uh, the race and in Senate District 30. Now, uh, I'm going to tell you, it's been, been a really interesting race. We, we've actually talked about this race previously when uh, specifically when we were talking about the, the, the lawsuits and, and sort of the legal wrangling with the state GOP over the petition campaign. And, and we mentioned it in passing, we really didn't unpack it uh, because it was frankly one of, of several election or ballot challenges that were happening around Texas at the time. And, and while it, it sort of tangentially was related to you know, our legal wranglings with the GOP and the courts, it really didn't have any sort of direct correlation to it, right? Unlike, say, the Gary Gates challenge, state rep Gary Gates challenging his opponent and, uh, you know, dealing with the petition signatures or the the Walker case um, where he tried to get Divine knocked off the ballot. Those had very clear analogs to what we're doing or what we were doing at the time with the GOP. But the, the, the challenge in Senate District 30 was one over residency, right? There was a, a residency challenge. The former chair of the Denton County GOP, the, the darling of the political establishment, uh, essentially, in, based off of uh, all the evidence I've seen, uh, it looks very much like he lied about his residency to be able to run uh, to be a candidate in Senate District 30. And so several of his opponents actually went to court and challenged it. And, and of course, he's still on the ballot, uh, much like what happened with us and, and Gary Gates' case and the Divine case, is the courts have a tendency to want to punt these things and, and you know, just kind of let the damage be done and, and ride out the clock because they don't want I think accountability when it comes to the uh, to, comes to the courts. I think that's why you saw uh, the court of, of criminal appeals uh, effectively rule that, uh, or the Texas Supreme Court, both. I think it was Court of Criminal Appeals ruled that the AG couldn't prosecute election fraud. I think the courts here in Texas uh, have a, a bias toward letting sleeping dogs lie, even if that means that the law gets violated, particularly election law. And so uh, in this SD30 race, you've got four candidates. You've got uh, the former uh, chair of the Denton County GOP. Um, you've got uh, a, a candidate named Kerry DeMore, who uh, has been under fire for uh, some of the remarks that she made. She's, she's a medical professional. She made some remarks during the COVID lockdowns about the vaccinations and about the lockdowns that have come back to haunt her. Uh, you have another candidate who is a, a pretty strong candidate in that race, Jace Yarborough. Uh, and and uh, you have a candidate there uh, also named Cody Clark. Now, Cody is distinguished from the other three in that he is the only one of those four that has signed the Texas First Pledge, 
Okay. And uh, not that the others were not invited. Look, every candidate was sent uh, communication inviting them to sign the pledge. So not like they didn't, but, but Cody Clark was the only one who read it and understood what his responsibilities were or would be as an elected official, how he should look at the electorate. And so you you fast forward a little bit beyond the, the signing of the Texas First Pledge, and you have this stunning endorsement from the Dallas Morning News editorial board of his candidacy in the Republican primary. Now, let's be honest. The, the Dallas Morning News is not the most credible, their editorial board, not the most credible source of uh, who you should and should not vote for. But it, uh, in fact, was a bit stunning for everyone. You see, you know, for the Dallas Morning News to come out and endorse really anyone in that race uh, is pretty shocking, and especially when they didn't endorse kind of the establishment pick. But those are the kind of times that we live in. But even with its bias, uh, Cody Clark was obviously, uh, even with their sort of left-leaning progressive criteria, uh, obviously a solid enough candidate. He had uh, the the professional experience. He had background in law enforcement. He had the community engagement experience. Um, You know, so you you take those things, you take sort of the the partisan issues out of it, and they felt that he was uh, strong enough in, in his community to be an effective representative in Senate District 30. But then, uh, since we were last together, the Dallas Morning News, has they found out that he signed the Texas First Pledge. And in it, they, uh, they, they published a, a withdrawal, a, a, um, a revocation of their endorsement. And it literally says that they cannot endorse a seditionist. Now, think about this. I just explained the Texas First Pledge. I, I explained that it was not a, a commitment to having Texas exit the union, that it was just merely a, a commitment to let the people vote and abide by the results of that vote. And, and other than that, they thought Cody Clark was the strongest candidate, the the most qualified, the most representative of those people in Senate District 30. But yet they come out and they make this this startling claim. We don't endorse seditionists. Well, I'm sure that that in the minds of the editorial board of the Dallas Morning News that this was going to go very differently than how it actually went. I'm sure they probably thought that Cody would – go to them hat in hand and I am woefully sorry I've contacted the TNM pack and I've requested my my name be removed you know much like Shank did last session when approached by the Dallas Morning News I didn't know what I was signing you know I mean that's literally that's what Shank told the reporter uh at the Dallas Morning News I didn't realize what I was signing well that's not that's not something you really want to hear from somebody who's running to be a justice uh, on the court of criminal appeal. I mean, you just, you don't, Oh, I'm sorry. I signed it. Didn't know what I was signing. That, that is frightening. It's a frightening proposition, right? 
And I'm sure that that's what the Dallas Morning News wanted. I'm sure that that's what they really expected. We'll call this guy a seditionist, and he'll he'll shrivel up like a raisin in the sun. I mean, that's just you know that's kind of the way they they think. They they think they're slinging around this big stick that they can whack people with, and you know these guys will will curl up in a ball and suck their thumb and you know bow and scrape to them because that's how their attitude is. Well, that's not how it went at all. Uh, in, in fact, Cody Clark did did the the grown up adult thing, the professional thing, and he called him up and he said, "Look, would I, I would like to explain to you why I signed the pledge?" And, and he did, but that did not placate them in the least. And so he basically tells them to pound sand. He says, "I'm not taking my name off of it." I'm not, I'm not going to respond to your revocation by compromising my principles. Wow. I mean, what an amazing thing. And guys, if you have not gone to X formerly known as Twitter, uh, and followed his, his, uh, his account of their follow, follow him and go look at these exchanges that he had. Um, he basically told the Dallas morning news to get bent. I mean, he told them, Really, I mean, I you know he he has been very clear in this regard that the Dallas Morning News is not going to bully him into compromising his principles. And, and let's be honest, the fight—if the Dallas Morning News suddenly comes out and says you're not the guy—then you know, honestly, his street cred in a Republican primary just probably went up by about twenty points. Right, because let's be honest, it's not like the Dallas Morning News is known uh, for vetting out somebody's, uh, you know, conservative bona fides. Right, so uh, I, I'm just going to say, you know, before we move on, uh, you, you got to go follow, go go to takeTexasBack.com. Uh, there you'll be able to link to Cody's website. You can go find his Twitter account and everything else. But you got to go give him a follow, and, and just if you have an opportunity, reach out to him and tell him how much you appreciate him sticking to his guns and not compromising his principles. And, and you know, when you read what he said about it, you're, you're going to be even more impressed with it. So uh, I'm just going to encourage you to do that. And, and let me just go ahead and say right now publicly uh, how much I, I appreciate you, Cody. Uh, thank you for being uncompromising and unwavering in your principles and for not being like some other lily livered cowards that, you know, shrivel at the first sign that, ooh, the media might say something bad about me because I took a stand on something. Good news, everyone. Do what Cody did. Say so what? If they're your principles, you shouldn't be willing to compromise them in the face of editorial criticism from a dying medium. It's just the bottom line. So kudos to you, Cody Clark, for being uh, for being just a phenomenal Texan. Thank you. But that uh, that brings me to uh, what we what we kicked off mentioning in the intro, which is our trip to Austin. Hey everyone, I just left the governor's office delivering the petition signatures calling on Governor Abbott to call for a special session to give you a vote on Texas. Right, we just got back, like I said, last night 
um, because at 11 a.m. yesterday, uh, I was joined by a little over 80 Texans from all over Texas. People drove in uh, from as far as Lubbock, uh, down in South Texas. Uh, we got people from Corpus, from deep East Texas, even farther east than me. Uh, we had a couple there from uh, Orange. Uh, I mean, just people came from all over and, and not to rally. Uh, not for a demonstration or a protest or a bunch of speeches, but to be there as I did what uh, I said that we were going to do. Now, if you'll recall back in, uh, back in January, uh, I had crafted a letter to Governor Greg Abbott uh, specifically related to the, the border issues. And as part of that, I uh, talked about, you know, Article 1, Section 1 of the Texas Constitution, Article 1, Section uh, Sections 1 and 2, sorry. Um, and, and I talked about where the federal government's decisions related to the border have effectively brought us to the trigger mechanism in Article 1, Section 1, right, where it says the perpetuity of the union depends upon the preservation of the right of local self-government unimpaired to all the states. But as part of that, I highlighted Article 1, Section 1, Article 1, Section 2, Planks 33 and 225 of the Republican Party of Texas platform. Uh, but one of the things in there was there was a specific call for Governor Abbott, in light of these recent actions, to uh, honor the wishes of the voters and put call, call a special session to pass the Texas Independence Referendum Act, to put the Texas question to a vote, right? Let's let's get this ball rolling. Let's get the the show started, and, and Governor Abbott can do that. Even though Matt Rinaldi and the Texas GOP decided to disenfranchise voters, Governor Abbott has an opportunity to stand in the gap here, right? He's got the the border issues going on. He's the one that is effectively highlighting all the problems, and, and so you know he's got the ability. It's within his power right now to call a special session of the Texas legislature to address this issue and put the question of Texas to the people of Texas. He has the power to make it happen. Okay. And so one of the, uh, the things that I, I said in the letter uh, and in the release subsequent to that was that we would be, we would be submitting the petition signatures collected during the campaign to governor Abbott in support uh, of this letter. Right. So, you know, that, uh, back in December, we, uh, we delivered 139,456 petition signatures to the Republican party of Texas. And of course, to governor Abbott, uh, we brought over 170,000, uh, signatures names. We didn't uh, obviously have to provide the same thing to him that we provided to Rinaldi because it's the difference in what we have to provide for a legal petition and, you know, versus bringing Abbott the names of the people that signed the petition. Um, but you know, some people have said, well, wait a minute, if you submitted 139,000 to Matt Rinaldi, where do those other ones come from? And I remind you, that we, in fact, ran the petition campaign in both the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. Uh, and so, therefore, uh, while we did not hit the threshold to deliver signatures to the Democratic Party, uh, those petition signatures count nonetheless 
if we're going to take them to the governor of Texas as a whole. Uh, some people say, well, why didn't you just have a bunch of people sign an online petition or, you know, just you know, giving the names of all the, um, the, the people that have registered their support for the TNM? Well, that's not what we wanted to do. We wanted to show that, you know, when it comes to issues like this, uh, you know, here's the petition campaign that we ran. Here's what it produced. And this is a recent snapshot of people that are ready to see Texas on a ballot. Doesn't say they support it or, or or they're against it, but they expressed specifically their desire to see it on a ballot. Okay, so some people again have asked, well, you know, how many of those were Democrat signatures? I don't have to do the math for you. I just told you we delivered over one hundred seventy thousand, uh, and um, you know, we tried to deliver one hundred thirty nine thousand four hundred fifty six, or did deliver one hundred thirty nine thousand four hundred fifty six to the Republican Party. Do the math. Break out your calculator. If you have a smartphone, they're on there. There's a button for that, right? So it it was a a phenomenal day. As a matter of fact, if you go uh, to social media, you'll see pictures everywhere. Uh, And and those people showed up, not like I said, not to rally, not to demonstrate, but to basically be there in support uh, of this effort to call on Governor Abbott to call the special session. Look, I get it. We're in campaign season, but at the end of the day, you know, we're also in in a major crisis here. You know, we've got the state of Texas and the federal government at loggerheads over what is inarguably the biggest crisis that Texas has faced. And it's, you know, constitutional crisis, national security crisis, public safety crisis, public health crisis, humanitarian crisis, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's all of the, all of the above. And so, you know, it's it's incumbent upon Governor Greg Abbott right now to to take this into account. Look, he, he may wait until after the primaries to do it. He might. Uh, he he might decide that he's going to do it now. Probably not, but he, he could make that decision. Or he may decide, you know what, we're just going to ride this thing out. And, or he may decide to do nothing at all. But ultimately, that is a decision for him. The people of Texas have to make their decision. And I'm going to tell you the political opinions of Texans about this, uh, about the, about Governor Abbott, who's going to be on the ballot in two years, they are being formed right now. Right now, in their minds, he's a good guy because he went belly to belly with the federal government and the President Peepaw administration uh, to, you know, o- over this border issue. But as we see increasing numbers of, uh, of people supporting the Texan issue, uh, and if Governor Greg Abbott does not respond to that, they will make their political decisions accordingly. But um, I got to tell you, we, we could come out of March 5th, the primaries having a whole different conversation about this, depending on how many of the incumbents that stood between the people of Texas and the Texas question, uh, how many of those people go back for another term or get knocked out of the box in the primaries? This is going to be interesting. All roads, not all, but many roads lead through March the 5th in, in those primaries. So it is so important for you to participate. Look, if you've got Texas first candidates on the ballot uh, in your district, good for you. Get, get that you know you you got to double down your support on those people. 
you know, we, we're doing what we can. The, you know, the 170,000 petition signatures to Greg Abbott is great, uh, but it's a start, and it's not the only thing. You have to keep up the momentum, and you got to get it done. So uh, it, it was – the Austin trip was, was phenomenal, and, and I'll just wrap up by saying um, how much I appreciate everyone who took the time out, who spent time, money, fuel – uh, you know, taking the time out of their, out of their week, because it was a work day. I, I talked to a, a gentleman named, named Troy, longtime supporter. Uh, he, he told me, he said, look, I, I didn't have, he says, I have to put in at my job two weeks ahead of time to be able to get off. And, you know, he basically said that he called in. Well, well, I ain't coming in because I'm going to Austin to go to governor Abbott's office and deliver these petition signatures. Um, I just, I got to tell you, I can't tell you how much I appreciate every one of you who who turned up and and, uh, showed support. So thank you all. Uh, We've got a lot of work to do. Uh, Austin was just the next step on a road to get this thing done. And uh, we're, we're, we're making a difference. I want you all to walk away from here knowing that this matters. You're making a major difference. Um, And if you don't think you are, here, here's what, uh, here's, here's what you got to understand. You know, I, I, I should have brought for the video version of the podcast. I probably should have brought a copy. I've got copies of the new of Newsweek magazine down there, but you know, when you're, when your issues making the cover of Newsweek and you've got major, uh, organizations that, that are polling this issue, uh, when you've got establishment politicians, uh, running, misleading mailer pieces against Texas first candidates on this issue. Uh, you know, when you wake up every day and you're seeing this issue trending on social media, or, you know, you're seeing article after article, even around the world, I I watched, I literally watched uh, a news broadcast from Latin America this morning, uh, all in Spanish about what we're doing here. Right. I mean, I, I'm, I'm seeing this happen. Uh, there's a, a, a meet an interview coming up with Agence France press. Just, I mean, it, you know, it, the, the, everyone wants to know what's happening. Um, they, they see what's going on. This matters and it's making, we're making a difference, uh, which is exactly why we need everyone to participate. Uh, I'm sure that, uh, I'm going to be interviewing, um, State Rep candidate Janine Chapa, who's a Texas First Pledge signer, a little bit later on the podcast, uh, but I'm sure she's going to talk about that. You know, I've I've heard it echoed from all of the candidates that I've talked to uh, that they they not only need people to vote, but they need to be more involved in the process to participate. You know, we're we're always very likely going to be outmanned. Uh, outgunned, outspent, out everything else. But the one thing that we can do to to equalize that is we can outwork the opposition. And that makes a huge difference. Which uh, brings me to, uh, before I get to Janine, I, I want to I talk a little bit about what's going on on social media. Uh, this has been really uh, interesting since the uh, the coordinated disinformation campaign spun up against us, which, by the way, is still going on. I mean, you can, if if you want to talk about this this idea, uh, well, let, let me let me just back up. So you you know, if you watched the last episode or listened to the last episode, 
you know that I took took on the the slurs about Texit being a Russian operation. Uh, I took took it direct took it on directly. I mean, just went after it. And in fact, after the podcast, uh, that same the podcast recording that same evening. Uh, I did a live stream of late night coffee talk. Yay. The return of my Q and a, my live Q and a, um, but you know, and, and I, I, that was one of the questions that came up and, and a lot of what's happening here is happening in the context of you've got these handful of accounts that are anonymous accounts, right? They don't use the real names, uh, that just keep telling the same lies over and over and over and over and over. Uh, you know, in the hopes that, that it will get some traction. But coupled with that, you've got the mainstream media doing essentially the same thing. And I say mainstream, you know, I, I probably, um, you know, I'm sure some people would argue that Ken's five out of San Antonio is not mainstream. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess technically they're mainstream, even though, you know, probably a lot of people don't watch them. But you know, Ken, I got I got hit up all week. Uh, Ken's Five News out of San Antonio did their uh, regurgitated, recycled piece about how uh, Texas can't leave the union because it's unconstitutional, and they drag out these desiccated husks of third-rate adjunct professors from Bug Tussle Community College to to reinforce their position. And suddenly, you know, we're just you know, suddenly they're out there discrediting us. And and what's interesting is you see this strange consistency among the uh, the the media on some of these issues, right? They interview uh, about the same three or four uh, quote-unquote professors. Uh, they use the same talking points over and over and over, and, and it's all just this recycled. But the one thing you don't see is you don't see us because they don't reach out. Uh, or you don't see any of the uh, professors and academics and experts that we offer up to counter the arguments that they're making, right? You don't see any of that. And so, you know, one of the things that, that has been very interesting as of late has been a lot of these people asking about, you know, this support coming from other countries through these, you know, and, and I think Wired Magazine just ran an article where they effectively said this te the Texas support is part of a coordinated disinformation campaign straight out of the Kremlin, right? Uh, which, which I reject because literally we are flesh and blood people, right? We're human beings. The support is there, right? If, if it wasn't, if this was just some disinformation campaign out of Russia, then the polling would show that this was polling at zero among Texans and it was just something hyped up by a bunch of Ruskies on the internet, right? But, but what's interesting uh, about this is, is no one seems to have wanted to turn the tables on these guys to show, to, to, to even allude to, or started connecting the dots that perhaps all of these consistencies that you see among the opposition media are really part of a coordinated disinformation campaign uh, aimed at trying to suppress Texit, right? And, and then because if you begin to countenance that way, you begin to, to, to start asking some questions and it leads to some uncomfortable places for people, right? Like, you know, why in the world do you see all of these talking points, not just on social media, but in mainstream media? And you see the same experts and why their reluctance or reticence to offer a dissenting voice 
or dissenting voices? Why do they ignore that, you know, the Texas issue uh, is, is polling uh, well beyond what they say exists, right? Why do they continue to do that? And, and, and how is it that they all seem to be on the same page at the same time? Well, friends, that sounds like a coordinated disinformation campaign. And so when you recognize it as such and you begin to tug on that thread and track it all the way back to where it may originate, well, I think it's I think it may be pretty clear. I talked about it on late night coffee talk, and I would encourage you to go to YouTube and, and watch it and watch that specific question and some of the the study that I pulled out from Oxford University over the use of, of uh, you know, disinformation campaigns and social media propaganda by state actors. And I think you might be surprised at, at, at some of the questions that it raises for you. But I think it's also important that we not only acknowledge it for what it is, a coordinated disinformation campaign, but I think that those of us who support Taxit should be engaging it in that digital fight, that digital war, like it is, and using all of the tools at our disposal to do so. So to that end, uh, you know, sometime back, the, the TNM launched what is called our Online Response Corps. Uh, if you, you go look in um, Dr. Cortrup's book, it was you know, something we launched before we ever connected with Dr. Cortrup, but he talks about building these response teams to respond to the, the, the negatives, right, to respond to these disinformation campaigns. You know, it's one of the reasons that we launched TextItNow.org and, you know, answer, you know, provide succinct answers to the most asked questions about Texas independence, right, about Texit and the Texit process. Uh, TextItNow.org is outside of our news site, gets the most traffic of any of our sites in the TNM sphere. And the reason being is we need to be able to go out there and counter this. So we're not having to, um, you know, answer the same things over and over and having to craft the answers. I mean, look, if we had to go out there and manually answer the Social Security question online every time it was asked, uh, you know, I'd have carpal tunnel. I mean, my hands would be, my fingers would be falling off. It'd be that bad. But that's why TextItNow.org exists. But that's also why we created the Online Response Corps. And essentially what it is for the TNM are volunteers, right? People just like you that say, look, I'm, I'm active online. I'm active on social media and I'm more than willing to go in and, and, you know, have these conversations with people and direct them to the right answers and direct them to the right resources. Uh, and, and it, it makes it so much easier and so much more consistent by doing it that way. So not only does it tick off, you know, a, a big box for what other successful independence movements do, uh, but it also provides consistent uh, consistency for people. Because look, I I see all the time on social media people out there uh, answering questions with bad information. No, they are not T and M people. Uh, but I see people answering the wrong. You know, they're they're basically giving the wrong answers to the questions. Uh, you know, and, and this is that we're in a situation where it's not about what you think the answer is. It's about what the answer is, because the quickest way to lose credibility is to uh, answer someone's question with something that is factually incorrect and then find it out because you, you may have burned them. 
So, you know, it's, it's important that we do this on a consistent basis. So look, I would just encourage people out there. If you're listening or watching, uh, if you want to, uh, be a, a warrior in this digital fight over Texas to be able to provide facts over fear and, uh, and truth over hype and anti-Texan propaganda, uh, then this is your opportunity. Just go to tnm.me slash ORC. That's tnm.me slash ORC. Uh, and volunteer. Uh, become a part of the Online Response Corps and help us fight these coordinated disinformation campaigns that originate, oh, I don't know. I, I, I don't specifically know where they originate, but uh, if I had to put money on it, I would, I would say that Langley, Virginia would probably be uh, up high in the running, right? But I don't know. I can't speak to it. I don't have an idea. But one of the things that, that is, is pretty clear that you can do right now, if you, if you are on social media, I want you to think about over all these years how social media companies have uh, effectively leveraged their community standards to slap a gag on your mouth to ba- you know, and, and granted some people out there are pretty, pretty poor uh, about governing their tongue or disciplining their tongue. You know, I'm not going to say you, you can't speak your piece because people have that opportunity to go out there and, and speak their, you know, state their, what they think is on their mind, right? They have that opportunity to do so, but it's important to remember that all of these platforms are essentially uh, guided by community standards, right? And, and I look at it like if, if you came to my house, I have rules and you, if you were a guest in my house, I have rules in my house. And if you came into my house and you were a guest and you know, you're, you're kind of doing your thing at my house. And then all of a sudden you came in and you took a big dump in the middle of my living room floor. Um, I, I would, I would kick you out. Right. I mean, it would be more than a sternly worded conversation. You, you'd be out the door. Right. And so, you know, the, the thing is, it's like my house, my rules. Well, these social media platforms, it's that way as well. It's their house, it's their rules. And I, and I know for some people that may sound strange because we're suing Facebook over censorship. Uh, but it's viewpoint discrimination, and that's a different deal, right? That's a whole other conversation. But I say all that to say that these places have rules uh, for community standards. And uh, many of you out there have been on the receiving end of that, those community standards, for many years, right? You've, you know, to the, to the point that, that you've had to be just very careful, very judicious, very fact-based. Well, I'm here to tell you today, that that's a two-way street. Uh, in fact, uh, that two-way street essentially means that those rules apply to the opposition as well. And so you take you take a, uh, a platform like X, right, which since Elon Musk bought it, by and large, their thumb is off the scales. And so the sword cuts both ways. And so I, I want to tell you guys this. I'm not going to walk you through. This is not a tutorial, but I'm going to tell you, uh, if, if you're seeing this disinformation or you're seeing hateful statements or threats of violence or, um, you know, slurs and tropes, I mean, there's all kinds of, of, of categories there. Uh, but if, if you're seeing this, you literally could use the Twitter reporting tool 
and, and report those people because let's be honest, they would not hesitate to do the same thing to you. Some people say, well, you know, I, I'm opposed to reporting people because free speech. That's fine. That's, that's your prerogative. Then don't do it. But there are going to be those people out there that understand that, that that sword cuts both ways, right? That the rules, if they're going to be used on us, uh, should be also uh, applied equally to those other people. And so I would encourage you, if you're seeing this sort of thing happen on these social media platforms like Twitter or Facebook, a play, places where they would not hesitate to drop the hammer on you if you stepped out of line and, and you know, you know, said these things or, or you know, did, you know, posted that misinformation, um, go report it. Go report them. Uh, we are already seeing that being applied to people that are saying terrible things like, you know, that they're ready to see the U.S. nuke Texas because we vote or, um, you know, them calling. I mean, there's just all kinds of things. I'm not going to dive off into all that that disgusting nastiness from the opposition. But look, if we're going to be held to a standard, it's time to hold them to a standard. And so I would encourage you to liberally use the reporting tool on the social media networks as an effective way of fighting back against what they do there. They should not be allowed to operate with impunity. Um, we, we are held to those standards and so should they. All right. Uh, look, I've, I've got to get to the tail end of this thing. Uh, and we saved the best for last. I'm very excited, uh, to have Janine Chapa on here today. Uh, Janine is a candidate for house district 20. Uh, she is uh, challenging Terry Wilson, who, uh, is just, you know, he's been, uh, well, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, uh, how to put this without sounding like a jerk, but Terry Wilson's much like say Lynn Stuckey or some of these guys. I mean, the only thing that distinguishes them from furniture in the Texas legislature is a pulse. Uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain some of these guys, if they sat still long enough, they would get reupholstered. Uh, but Janine is out there fighting the good fight. She is a Texas first pledge signer. And in fact, uh, we are talking to her today while she is out block walking and connecting with her neighbors and uh, friends in, in the uh, in the district. So uh, without further ado, uh, Janine Chapa. Well, Janine, hey, thank you so much for, for taking the time out. I know that you are out block walking right now. Yes. Out there door knocking and, and meeting with uh, with neighbors and constituents in, in House District 20. Uh, why don't you why don't you just launch off to tell us about uh, some of the experiences you've had out there while you've been block walking today? Sure. Well, I can tell you about what I just experienced right now. And so I'll, I'll give you just a little update. We've we've knocked on almost 15,000 doors. And we've gotten a lot of feedback from a lot wow. of people. And I'm really, really excited about uh, what I'm hearing because I'm hearing people want change. People are tired of what is going on, not only in our state government, but in our federal government. And the gentleman that I spoke to just now before jumping on this podcast with you, he is angry. They are so upset. And, you know, I let him talk. I let him tell me what it is that's upsetting them. And it's everything from the border to the impeachment, to uh, not having the ability to uh, send their kids to the school of their choice, um, or having you know just the the um, the ability to have the funding for that, 
anyway, um, people are angry and I'm just relishing in the fact that they want choice. And um, the other thing is with this particular gentleman, uh, he was so excited about me coming by his house and I asked him if I could put a yard sign because as a as a grassroots conservative, you know, we don't have big budgets. And so that's how I get my name out, knocking, knocking on doors, talking to people, passing out my push card and putting a yard sign in their yard. Well, this has been, you know, it's been a, a pretty amazing uh, election cycle. Uh, yes. You know, one of the things that, that we've talked about for a long time, really leading into this cycle was the frustration that that we're seeing out there from the electorate they they feel like there is this massive disconnect between yes. the the political establishment in, in austin uh who treat texas government kind of like a triple a AAA ball club for washington dc and that dysfunction um, but there's a disconnect between that political establishment and, and the people you know yeah. and and so um, you know, I can imagine if, if you've knocked 15,000 doors, you probably have seen and, and heard an awful lot of that frustration boiling over. Uh, you know, we had uh, on one of the previous episodes, we had Mitch Little, uh, you know, yes, who was one I of Paxton's uh, impeachment lawyers. And, you know, he, he was I expressing the same thing. We're hearing that from a, from a lot of folks. But why don't you why don't you do this? Because there are going to be a lot of folks out there. Um, who who don't know much uh, about you other than what they've read maybe on the website, on the bios, okay. whatever. Um, tell us, tell, tell everyone just a little bit about your background. Okay. So, you know, I retired four years ago from the insurance industry. I was in the insurance industry for 32 years. And um, when I retired, I decided that I wanted to spend some time with my grandkids and my husband, maybe do a little bit of fishing. Um, and, you know, something... Um, the way that things have been going with our federal government that really kind of changed the the vision that i had for myself in retirement i've been married 39 years actually last friday was my 39th anniversary and Happy uh, anniversary. thank you and i have two two girls um lauren and allison and and we have been blessed with three grandkids three boys and as i see my grandkids you know growing up um you know i worry about their future and that's really what, you know, when I think about why I got into this race, it was about them. And it was about, you know, what kind of future would they have as um, as they grow up? Would they have a future like I did and the one like you did, one that's um, uh, free and fair and gives them protections that are afforded to them by the Constitution? Um, but, you know, I, I was born on the border. I was born in Brownsville, Texas. I understand the border issues. And... Um, I don't like what I see. And that's why I decided to run. And um, I feel like it's important that people have a choice and that we stand up now and share that voice before it's too late. So Janine, let, let's talk about, um, let's talk a, a little bit about the, the desperation that, that you're seeing from the political establishment. Now, the, one of the features that we've seen in a uh -huh. lot of these races, and, and I got to tell you, I must confess, I live in Dade Phelan's district. And so, uh -huh. you know, you can imagine sort of the, the, the money that's pouring into here to, to try to save him uh, because he's, you know, he's in trouble. He's like a lot of these incumbents and these establishment guys where um, they are the, the focus of a lot of that uh, that electorate anger, that frustration at uh, kind of go along to get along, 
you know, not seeing these challenges. They're, they're, you know, the constituents are tired of being lied to. So, you know, obviously we, we've seen some of that probably spill over in, into your race. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I, I do agree that um, incumbents are nervous and rightfully so. They've made some decisions that that did not um, include their electorate, the, the people that they lead. And when you make decisions that don't align with the way that your constituents feel, then you've got to there's there's got to be accountability somewhere. And I think that's what's coming to play here, coming to bear, is that we are seeing more and more people wanting to hold their elected officials accountable. And and, you know, to your point, the establishment does not like that. And I'll give you an example. Um, you know, my opponent has sent out probably, I don't know, it feels like 18, but, you know, I think it's more like <laughs> six mailers. Um, he's gotten into every magazine possible that's uh, here in the local area, front cover, four page ad spread, uh, y- you name it. I mean, he's got uh, yard signs or road signs all over Williamson County. Uh, you know, it probably has a two to one ratio to, on me. Uh, I just don't have the money that they do. They've got lots of money. Like you said, Dave Phelan's got lots of money pouring in. Um, uh, we've got lots of money pouring in here, too. But unfortunately, it's not for me. Uh, tomorrow, uh, they're bringing in Greg Abbott. So that's the other thing. And so I feel like I, you know, I'm trying to take that as a compliment that uh, they have to bring in the big guns to help them get over the over the finish line. Yeah, it's uh, it it really is telling. I mean, they're they're having to burn through cash uh, yeah. all across the state right now. I mean, uh, you know, your your race, uh, you know, obviously Dade's race, uh, Andy Hopper's race up there with Lynn Stuckey is another example. Uh, I mean, they're just having to pour buku bucks in there. And, and the fact of the matter is, is if they weren't in trouble, they wouldn't be spending that money. You know, I agree. They, they, you know, as much as they're spending. Uh, it, they don't have a money tree out there they can go pick from. So it, it really is. So consider it a compliment that you've uh, you've got this guy in, in such a tailspin. Um, well, you know, and- I had my neighbor tell me that I woke up the beast. He said, we've, ne- <laughs> they said, we've yeah. never heard from Terry Wilson before. And all of a sudden, we can't quit getting his mailers. So he said, you woke oh, the beast. Well, and that's, you know, and that's a thing that people forget. I mean, these guys only show up about w- once every two years, you know, and, and only then if they feel like they're in trouble, they, they really don't care about their constituents in the out, in the outside of it. Um, uh, and like I said, we, we've seen that in, in a lot of different races. Um, these guys, you know, outside of a contested race, um, that they're almost indistinguishable from a piece of furniture in the legislature, you know, That's I mean, funny. honestly, if they sat still long enough, somebody would try to reupholster them probably. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, Ter- Terry may, may be the case. I mean, they, they kind of go do their thing up there in Austin and they really don't care uh, about what their constituents think until it's time to sling out mailers. And then they proclaim that it's been the most conservative session ever. Oh, the yeah. most conservative thing since Ronald Reagan, uh, you know, all that, but you know, this has started to spill over. Uh, related to the the Texas First Pledge, and and I know that um, you know for a, a, a lot we've seen mailers actually got a mailer attacking both David Covey and and Alicia Davis uh, related to them signing the Texas First Pledge, and it seems that the political establishment wants to mischaracterize what what that pledge is. 
so but before we dive off into that, just why don't you share with everyone why you felt compelled to sign it? Well, the Texas Pledge is about choice. And to me, as a constituent, we should have the ability to have any and all choice afforded to us by the Constitution. And the Texas Constitution gives the citizens of this great state the ability to do what is listed in the pledge. Now, the pledge doesn't say that's what we're going to do. The pledge says we want to give the people of this great state the choice to make the decision. And that's what we should be about. And that's what this pledge is about. And I am all about choice when it comes to parents' rights, when it comes to school choice. It's about choice. And, uh, you know, in, in this situation here in my, in my race, my opponent has run unopposed the last two election cycles. We've had no choice. And so he's really upset because I'm running because now I'm giving people in this great district a choice. And that's what this is about. And people want to make this about everything else but that. And it's a shame. It really is. Yeah, it, it definitely, uh, I think, I think it could be, well, I'll just say this. I, I don't think it could be any more clear that the political establishment is really afraid to hear from the people. I mean, I, I think, I think their opposition to uh, the Texas first pledge, uh, I think putting the, you know, the Texas question to a vote scares them. Yeah. Um, but, but I think that really flows down as and is symptomatic of, of this much larger issue that we're, we're contending with here, which is they really don't want they don't want an election. They want a selection. They don't want to hear the people's voice. They want to sit up there in the pink palace in Moscow on the Colorado and, and basically dictate to us, uh, because they frankly believe that we're too stupid to govern ourselves. Yes. Well, and you're absolutely right. And that's very well said. And I'm hearing that I'm hearing that consistently in my conversations as I knock on doors with people, they are fed up. I mean, and it's a shame, but some people are so fed up to the point that they don't even want to vote anymore because they feel like their vote doesn't matter. And that right there breaks right. my heart because we have so many people who have fought for our right to vote, for our freedoms, and to squander them in this fashion, in this manner is just sad. It's heartbreaking. Well, I, I would say I would say this, Janine, I really hope uh, for for your district that your candidacy uh in, invigorates people um because you know li like you one of the things i mean texas is plagued with low voter voter turnout and you know part of that is people feel you know used and abused they they have been effectively disenfranchised by an unresponsive political establishment and so i'm i'm very hopeful you know the fact that you went out there and, and i can't stress this enough to, to folks that, that are that are listening or watching the you know if you did not hear what janine said at the very beginning you roll this thing back they've knocked fifteen thousand doors and, and that direct voter contact you you go to your um political establishment incumbent and and wonder when's the last time they knocked doors if you're watching the video version of this podcast you see janine in her car she's personally out block walking she's not hiring some uh, gunslingers from out of state to come here and knock your door and, and put a door hanger on. She's out there walking uh, the walk. 
you know, she's not just talking the talk, she's walking the walk. And so Janine, I would, I would really hope that your, your candidacy will get some of these disenfranchised people and give them some hope to get it, you know, to say that they can, they can make a change. If they don't like the way they are governed, they can do something about it. That's right. That's absolutely right. And you know what? It just gives me great joy uh, when I get out and talk to people, when people will open the door, because not everybody opens the door. And um, but when they open the door and I introduce myself and I tell them what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, um, I do think that it gives them hope. And I try to give them encouragement and I try to help them understand that they do have a choice and they can make change. And I, you know, even with the gentleman that I just finished talking to, I asked him to get involved because we need people to be more involved than just voting. Unfortunately, just voting is no longer going to be enough. We need people like the everyday people to become participatory in our government. We just cannot sit idly by and we have to pay attention to what all of our officials are doing and we have to hold them accountable. And if they are not going to protect us, if they are not going to protect our constitutional rights, then we have an obligation to change that. And if we don't change it, then we won't have a choice moving down the road. Uh, that is uh, well said. Well, let's do this because I know you got to get back to block walking. If you're talking yes. to me, then you're not out there meeting with voters. Uh, t tell everyone what they can do to, to help your campaign and help get you elected. Yes. Well, if you live in my district, the way you can help me, one, is by voting for me uh, starting on February 20th all the way through March 5th. Um, you can also check me out at my website, www.teamjanine.com. I have all my events. I have um, all my endorsements. I have all any news related to our campaign listed there. Um, I also have a donate button on my website. You know, this does not come uh, unafforded. Uh, it's not cheap. And that's one of the things that I'm just really, really disappointed about uh, as you run for office. You know, this is not um, this is not cheap. And running for office should not be cost prohibitive. We should be able to ha put this in a in a way that gives people the opportunity to run because they can they don't have to go into extreme debt in order to do this. But um, yeah, so uh, and if you're outside of my district and you want to make phone calls for me, you can certainly help make phone calls. We got phone banking going on, um, and we're working really hard to get out the vote. So you can certainly be a poll watcher. You can be a greeter at the poll locate polling locations. We're currently taking all volunteers to help us with those, uh, filling up those those areas of the campaign. So I just appreciate your time, Daniel, and helping me not only to get my name out, but to get the word out that we are working hard and we are trying and we are going to do everything. We're going to leave everything on the field. We're not going to quit until March 5th. That's what I like. I like, I like competitors. Thank you. <laughs> that, hey, I'm that's in a it great to win attitude. It. I'm in it to win it. That's it. You, that's yep. what you got to do. It's a four quarter game and you got to play all four quarters, right? right? You don't know, no, no looking back and no regrets. Well, that's right. Uh, Janine, look, thank you. Thank you very much guys. This is uh Janine Choppa. She's uh, a candidate for house district 20. Uh, be sure to look her, uh, look her up on her website. Janine, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Daniel.
Well, friends, uh, friends, that was Janine Chapa, and uh, thank you to Janine for for being here, just taking the time out. Look, right now, if a candidate is not out block walking, uh, they're they're in trouble, right? Um, but I want to thank you guys for for being here on the Texas News Podcast. A reminder, uh, wherever you watch or listen to this podcast, be sure to like, subscribe, comment. You know, do do all the good things. Uh, we need you to do that uh, as much as you possibly can. Uh, in addition, if you are not already a member of the Texas Nationalist Movement, now is your time. I need you to head over to tnm.me slash join and become a member today. Get all kinds of cool perks. You'll see them on the website. Um, but look, you, it, it makes a difference. It really makes a difference. Uh, every member we have helps us um, not have to go out there and beat the pavement and fundraise. And, you know, I mean, we'll be selling Girl Scout cookies for this thing is over with, right? Um, but, but the you know, the bottom line is every dollar you spend, whether it's as a membership or a contribution, helps us go out there and engage more Texans on this issue. And if you like what you're seeing right now, if you like having the cover of Newsweek, if you like having these people poll us, if you like having a massive number of Texas first pledge signers, if you like the fact that we were able to go drop 170,000 signatures on Greg Abbott's lap. I mean, if you like the fact that we've got more meetings going on statewide than any political organization, if you want Texit to happen, then you got to go do it. Whether it's becoming a member, making a contribution, it matters, and it matters more than you can ever imagine. Uh, You even heard Janine talk about the fact that you know, it's expensive to run a campaign. I mean, I mean imagine a House district campaign. Uh, now, spread that out to a full-blown statewide campaign, and, and you'll understand what we're talking about here. Now you understand why it was a big deal when, a, you know, someone donated $6 million to Greg Abbott's campaign already. I mean, it's just made a single $6 million contribution. Insane, insane. To, but that's what we're up against. And so we need everyone on board. All right. Uh, that, as I said, is a wrap. I'm going to leave you with the words that I leave you with every time we're together. They're the words of Sam Houston when he said that Texas will again lift its head and stand among the nations. I believe that time is now. And the question is, will you stand with her?